name is Felicia Wright, and this is the Go Rogue Podcast. Do you feel stuck? Does every day feel like Groundhog's Day? Well, I'm here to tell you it's time to take charge of your life and know that you are meant for more than this. It's time to go rogue. This podcast is for people that are ready to say enough is enough and discover their new normal with entrepreneurship. Get ready because your rogue journey starts now. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Go Rogue Podcast. I have Caitlin Pierce here with me and she is ready to share her story with us and I'm so excited. Uh, just a little bit about Caitlin. She is a New England girl from Berkshires in Western Massachusetts and and is an entrepreneur at heart. Having launched Pierce Social, her social media marketing company in 2016, known for being a passionate and dedicated entrepreneur, Caitlin thrives on watching big ideas come to fruition and helping those throughout her community. As a wife and mom of two incredible little girls herself, her goal is to inspire them daily with the life she has worked so hard to create. When she's not designing the next character for Binka Bear, um, stay tuned for that one, or chasing the girls around the house, um, you can find her trying her hand at gardening or watercolors, two things that are still very much a work in progress for her at the moment. Welcome, 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 and welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. Yes, and um, just so you know, audience, kind of funny, getting into this, we've had, what, how many goes to get into this podcast? <laughs> like, we had little uh, babies in here. There are cute interruptions, though. Yeah, <laughs> so we are going to power through, and this is going to be great, and um, I'm really excited that you're here because I know you have so much to share, and you are going to inspire so many women. So, Thank you. <clears throat> so to get started, can you tell us a little about bit about you and your background? So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure where to start. So I guess I'll start, um, that I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, really. I, this is something that I've kind of pioneered myself. Um, I grew up with a single mom and, um, she did an amazing job. She worked uh, very part-time and she set a wonderful example for us. Um, but at the time, you know, when you're little, you don't really realize the struggles that your parents are going through. So um, for me, I had a great childhood. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I'm only realizing the past few years, some of the things that my mother really overcame while I was growing up. Um, but I have a brother. And um, so we had, you know, we had a, a, a good childhood as far as I, I am concerned. Mm -hmm. um, and then. I met my husband when I was in my early, uh, early twenties. I think I was 20 years old. So we've been together, um, for a little over 10 years now. And oh. we have two little girls. Um, Delilah is my youngest and she will be three this month. And then Sylvia is my oldest and she will be six in February. Oh. And since becoming a mother, it has really changed my, um, I guess my priorities, <laughs> um, and my mindset that was, I, I can, I think really my big, uh, light bulb moment for when I, I really decided that I needed to take more control of my life. Um, I personally have overcome a lot of, um, anxiety challenges. Uh, I, I have anxiety disorder and that's something that I've dealt with my entire life. 
and actually prevented me from graduating high school. Um, I had dropped out when I was 16. I did go and get my GED, uh, which is, you know, the equivalent of your diploma. But for me, I couldn't handle being in the crowded high schools. High school just was not for me. Um, School in general just was not for me at all. Uh, I think I'm a pretty smart person. um, And I've always did well. It was really just the way the system worked. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't fit that mold. And <clears throat> unfortunately I, it's not so much a black and white situation or right or wrong or, or things, um, you know, with a public school system, there's, there's so many things that they have to accommodate. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a really hard topic to, to discuss, but so for me, it just, it, I did not fit that mold. It did not work, but I, I had dropped out, got my GED and then I started at a community college and from at that point, I think I was about 16 and, and I had a blog. Um, and mind you, this was when, you know, people, you said the word blog and people were like, what is a blog? Like, what are you even talking about? Um, because, you know, it makes me feel really old, but this was about 15 years ago now. Wow. And yeah. And so I had a blog and so I had started taking pictures and all kinds of things. And I think that evolved um, till when I was in my early twenties and I still had a blog about our local community. And, um, I started attending some local networking events for creative entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. because I was just not sure how to take the skills that I had because mind you, you know, even 10 years ago, blogging and, you know, web development and any kind of social media stuff was not really a thing, (laughs) you know, um, obviously like websites, businesses had websites and and blogs were starting to pop up, but it really wasn't a a thing. So I wasn't sure how to apply my talents. And and I did find, um, a branding and design agency that had approached me. He had the owner of it had seen my local blog, had seen the posts that I had written, that I had built the website myself, that I was taking the photos. and he hired me on the spot. <clears throat> he said, I'm, I'm not really sure what you're going to do yet, <laughs> but, um, you know, this was at a time when like Facebook was really starting to pop up and we were trying to convince some of those clients that were working with the agency for web and for branding that mm-hmm. social media was something they're going to want to have a handle on. So I, I came in there and it was really a huge moment for me because I was a girl without any real college education and to get an opportunity like that was really huge. But the thing I want to point out is that I worked for it. I put in the work, I, I made it fun for me, but you know, blogging and all of that was something that I enjoyed doing, yeah. but I used it in a way you know, I used it almost as a portfolio. Um, you know, it's like, I didn't have that certificate with that degree, mm-hmm. but I had this experience doing all of these things and I had this portfolio. And then I started finding the free networking events in town and just started networking and getting my name out there and just kind of seeing what kind of opportunities were out there. And that for me was a, just a huge light bulb moment because I, I, it, I went from being told my entire life, you know, when you're in school that you have to grow up, you have to go to college, you have to get 
a degree, you have Mm -hmm. to find a job and then you have to work that job, you know, ideally like a 40 hour a week job until you retire. And and it's when, and I don't know again, if it's just because I grew up poor and it's more of that kind of cycle, but yeah, I was constantly told, you know, this is how you do it there. There, it was never presented that there was any other way to live your life. Mm -hmm. So when I found those networking events and I saw these people that had created jobs doing things that they loved, it was just this, it was this light bulb moment. I'm like, Hey, I can do this. And then it began, you know, and since then I've launched, you know, my, my own business a couple of years ago when I had babies, I just, I wanted to be home more. So I've been on my own for two years now, which is amazing. That's awesome. And I want to go back a little bit because throughout your story, you told me so many points where you were so courageous in what you did. So what I mean by that is stepping into that role of being brand new, like having your anxiety and that guy hiring you on the spot and having the courage to go to those networking events. And even with the anxiety, you were still able to do it. So I want to explore that a little bit more with you because I know that there's other women out there that feel like, oh, well, I didn't graduate from high school, like, and their self-worth feels really low, but your story really shows that, like, you can be and do whatever you want. So how did you find the courage to do that? Yes, um, I think that's a really great question, because I think that that, for me, has been one of the most liberating Um, and important things I've ever done for myself is to learn how to get over it and to just, and and I don't mean that, I don't mean the anxiety. I don't mean get over the anxiety because when you deal with anxiety, there's, is no off switch. There is no get over it. Um, you, you develop coping skills. You learn, you learn what your triggers are. You learn how you react to those things. And then you find ways to deal with that. Um, and I'll talk, I can talk about that a little bit more, but what I mean is by get over it is don't worry about other people mm-hmm. because I, I know that <clears throat> that's way easier said than done. But when I got to a point where I started having enough confidence in myself and what I knew it became so much easier to talk to people because when you go into a conversation already just prepared to be judged and that people are going to think you're not intelligent or that you don't know what you're talking about or, or whatever it is that you fill your head with, because that's what you do when you have anxiety is you fill your head with all of these, these things that aren't true, you know, 99% of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you go into a situation and it's just, you're, you, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I'm not, I'm, I'm honestly not entirely sure at what point I found that confidence, but that was something that I had that, that I had to do like, because I say this to my father. So my father is another topic (laughs) on a, you know, it's a whole other story. Um, but my father has a lot of mental illness. He has a lot of um, learning disabilities and he has um, some addiction issues. And for him, he, you know, had had dealt with a lot of abuse growing up too. So for him, I know he's always very, very concerned about how people are going to perceive him in any situation. And that's not unlike most of us. People are 
you know, you want to be liked, you don't want to be ridiculed. But what I've learned in life is that anybody that would ridicule you or, or give you a hard time or make you feel that way is not worth your time in any capacity. And once I was able to, to kind of realize that when people act that way, they're almost doing me a favor, it was really helpful because it, it kind of pointed them out for me. And it wasn't so, um, it, it was helpful for my anxiety, honestly, because I, instead of wondering, you know, like, oh my gosh, does this person like me? Or, or you know, it, it just was out there. It's like, okay, well, I know that they are not worth my time. And when you think about it, I mean, there's what, like over 7 billion people on this planet. I'm sure that yeah. number is even bigger now. Um, you don't need that person. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't need that person, whatever it is, whatever your mission is, whatever you're trying to do in that situation, there's going to be so many more people that are going to support you than aren't. That is and, such a good point. Um, my friend Heather always says this quote that she heard somewhere. She, and it's, um, I never let go of something that didn't have claws in it because we <laughs> don't like to let things go and let people go. But it's, it's actually powerful to let people go that don't serve us anymore. It's so true. And we do not grow up with, with developing our mindset and developing mm -hmm. the way we, we think about that kind of stuff. Like we're very uh, reaction based, I think, as a society. It's like something yeah. happens and you react to it. We don't put a lot of effort into um, the way that we... I don't want to say control because controlling is a tricky word. That word's hard because I feel like to have control of something is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. But I. Yeah. So tell me more about like your thoughts on letting people go. Well, when, so like I was saying that when you are able to let people go, it frees up space in your brain for you to focus on serving the people that are supporting you. And those people are, I think that's where, I think that's where I was. So those people are, um, there's far more people that are going to support you than are going to ridicule you. And when you can just, when you can, when you can learn how to focus on that and realize that it's really a gift to not have to worry about those people anymore. Um, then you'll be able to show up in a different way. You'll be able to come into a conversation not so concerned with how people are going to perceive you, mm -hmm. but with the content that you're delivering, whatever that is, whether that's a business situation or a personal situation, um, you can, you can have, you, you start to build this confidence in yourself. Um, and the other thing that I know, I personally, struggle with and I think all entrepreneurs really struggle with is imposter syndrome oh, yeah. and just constantly thinking that you're like I don't know what I'm talking about like I have no like how do like what qualifies me to be this professional or to know what I'm talking about um and you have to just get over that because what you have to realize and if you've listened to any other interview on this podcast or any other interview on any podcast that interviews anybody yes <laughs> the same underlying thing is always there they have no idea what they're doing 
<laughs> when they start, and even now, if you are doing it correctly, if you are constantly growing and developing yourself as a person, you don't know how to do that because you're constantly pushing and reaching someplace new. Um, and I think when you can adjust your mindset a little bit like that, and you can start to think of, of yourself, um, like that as growing and not be ashamed. It's like, I told my daughter the other day, she had, um, told me in school, she had to, they were learning, I think, um, something about math. And she said, mommy, I had to ask a lot of times because I didn't understand what they were asking me to do. And I just wanted to make sure that she knew that that was great. I wanted her to know that that was that I'm like, that is what you're there to do. I was like, they don't expect you to know these things and the things that they expect you to know. It's like, if you don't understand, you should always ask. You should never be ashamed of that because when you're asking questions, you're growing, you know, you're, you're learning and you should never stop doing that. And I think we hit a point sometimes where we just think, okay, now we're all grown up and <laughs> that's yeah. it. we should know everything. And it's like, no, I've never been this age before. I've never had children who are, you know, two and five. I've never, mm -hmm. I've never done that before. And we definitely need to get out of that space of like, I, I'm all knowing now I am such and such age and I've learned everything I could learn. And, um, I've recently been talking about journey, this journey, that, because life is a journey and there, there is no last destination of where you're going to know it all. So right. that's actually a really good way to showcase that. And how you told your daughter, like, no, like it's okay to be constantly learning and doing new things. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. <clears throat> So I, I, I would love to back up to when you said that um, things kind of changed when you started having your babies. And um, that's when you decided that you wanted to be um, home with them more. So what did that look like? Um, did you start your business at that time? Or did you start Think of Bear? So Think of Bear came after. Peer Social is what has enabled me to work for myself. And I have, like I said, I, I found that position and that enabled me to gain experience that has allowed me to have some additional marketing jobs um, mm -hmm. and social media jobs. And it was great because when I had Sylvia, my oldest, I uh, had just started a job as the social media manager for what to expect when you're expecting. And Ooh. as you would imagine, it was a really um, great company to work for. You know, they let me do a lot of work from home. I was in the office sometime. I was nursing. So, you know, it was very friendly about me being able to leave in time to nurse or to pump or things like that. So that was great. It really was. And then um, the company that I worked for um, <clears throat> had downsized and I was laid off. And so I moved on to my next marketing job, which was totally not <laughs> like that at all. It was very, uh, corporate, very, um, you know, by the book and, you know, no, no working from home, that kind of stuff. But everything that I did, you could do from home. And it absolutely killed me that I was missing this time with my children, that I was so stressed out thinking about snow days or if we, you know, how am I going to get out of the driveway to get the kids to daycare to then turn around and race as fast as I can to get 
to an office to punch in, to sit at a desk, to do exactly what I could do from sitting at home the whole time. Yeah. And I just couldn't accept that anymore. I'm like, there has got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And I found some really amazing entrepreneur groups for females on Facebook. And, um, it just like opened those doors for me. It just was this huge, I was my other, it was probably like my next real big light bulb moment. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I can do this. And so I started Peer Social while I was still working my full-time job. Mm -hmm. And I would do all of that like in the evenings and night times after the girls went to bed. And Locally, uh, and most places actually have what's called a small business development center. And it's funded by um, the Small Business Association. And like ours is run through a local, like the UMass, which is the University of Massachusetts. And they have a a small office in my town. And it's a totally free service that you can call and make an appointment for. And they can... um, give you all kinds of business help. So if, I mean, everything from I'm trying to write a business plan to Mm -hmm. I'm trying to scale to, I need to hire somebody to, I have tax questions, anything. They will meet with you and help you, um, by either giving you the resources, giving you the information, all that kind of stuff. So I had met with our small business development center and I told, um, his name's Keith, the guy that I met with, I told Keith, I said, Keith, I need a magic number. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, I need to know what I need to make every month in order to live my life the way I live it now. I was like, I don't need to be, you know, fancy. I just need to be able to replace my income. What, and what does that look like? So Keith and I sat down and, and wrote out a simple budget for my business. So mm-hmm. if I need to pay myself X amount of dollars and I want a budget for marketing and I need to pay for software programs, you know, so we just did yeah. a simple budget and we came up with a number and it was like, it, it was very attainable. I mean, it was a little scary, but it was very attainable. And I told myself if I can meet that number for at least three months, then I would quit my job and go full time. And I did that in the first four months of my business. That's so amazing. yeah, it was really amazing. I launched in July of 2016 and I put in my notice in October of 2016. And then my last day was November, I think November 8th, 2016. And I've been on my own ever since. Um, and it's been such a, a blessing. I, I say all the time, I have no idea how parents can work and oops, sorry, my husband's coughing. It's okay. I'm sure you can hear my babies in the background. <laughs> um, and I have, I have no idea how parents can work full-time jobs and still do the school stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, never mind just daycare, but I mean, once your child gets to school age, it's just this whole different world. It's, you know, those pickup times and drop-off times are not up to you. Yeah. You have to work everything around. It's, it's so hard. And then God forbid there, you know, where we live, there's always a ton of snow. We live in new England. So mm-hmm. I mean, snow days are, we usually have like one a month at least, <laughs> you know, there's just like, we've had a snow day already. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, it, it, it's impossible to try to 
make your schedule work while you have children in school and you have to work around a work schedule, somebody else's schedule. So for me, yeah. it was, it was amazing to be able to give myself that gift. Um, and it's obviously as an entrepreneur, there's other challenges and struggles and things that you have to deal with. And it's hard, mm-hmm. but for me, that trade-off has been so worth it. And yeah. then, um, last year, about exactly a year ago now, I, uh, is when Binka Bear all started. Oh, and I'm excited to hear about this. <laughs> so Finca Bear came, that, this was not the plan, um, but has been the most exciting thing I think I've ever done in my life. And Finca Bear was invented in my head actually a few years ago when I was weaning Sylvia from her pacifiers. Okay. So, you know, we had gotten her down to just at bedtime and she was not quite three. I was, I think... I was, I think Delilah had literally was weeks old. She was just born because I think it was January or something like that. Um, years and years ago, Sylvia is going to be six now. Um, and for me, I couldn't get past how I was going to take those pacifiers from her because Mm -hmm. she only had them at nighttime and she was very good about that. Um, that was the first thing she looked for when she got into her bed at night. She was, where are my binkies? Where are my binkies? That's all she, it was like her favorite, favorite comfort item. So I, I was terrified. I'm like, how do I do this? <laughs> and sorry, I'm like stinging or something here. Um, yeah, I'm sure that, that honestly, as parents, like when our kids att- attach to something, it's almost like a lifeline so we can maintain our sanity sometimes. So I completely get it. My babies weren't on pacifiers, but um, they had their own things where I'm like, okay, well, even now I'm like, here's the phone. Just, I need yeah. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, the, and the pacifiers are a big issue for parents too, because it, it's a sleep thing. Parents are afraid to take them because most children are very attached to them at nighttime and they don't want to disrupt that routine. And so when I was, I was terrified trying to think of how I was going to do this. And I'm like, there has to be something online. So, you know, start Googling and there is nothing, (laughs) there is nothing. There's some ideas, you know, parents will do like a binky fairy or things like this, but literally everything involved taking the pacifiers away from them forever. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it felt like I, I equate taking the pacifier from a child kind of like taking the cell phone from an adult, just okay. like going up to an adult, taking their cell phone, like, you don't need this anymore. Figure it out. You'll <laughs> yeah. be all right. It has flaws in it. It's like, right. But it's like, now you have to adjust. Now mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to survive. And, um, so you have to adjust to that and, and it's kind of the same thing, but the, so for me, I didn't want to just take that from her. It was, it seemed, you know, and obviously children are going to be fine. The reality of the situation is the kids are going to be fine. Uh, this is more of the parents who are not, yeah. <laughs> the parents who are not going to be okay for at least a few <laughs> days. You know, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. Oh yeah. So for me, I'm like, I'm like, there has got to be a way for me as the parent to, still, um, have my sanity and, and not have this be a horrible experience and for my kids to not have this be a horrible experience. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like there has got to be something I can do. And that's when the wheel started turning and 
I uh, had come up with putting the pacifiers inside of the bear. Um, we had some levies that she enjoyed. And so I'm like, all right, we'll put it inside. And then she has them, but she can't put them in her mouth. Yeah. And it worked really, really well. And so we're doing this and I'm literally, you know, I'm like, how is this not a thing? How is there not I'm like, this would be great if there was a book with it and all kinds of things, you know, and, and this was a few years ago. And I wrote the Bank of Air story like at least three years ago now. Oh, wow. And yeah, I, I just, but I never did anything with it. I just mm-hmm. didn't because how do you do this? How do you, how do you invent something in your head and bring it to market? I mean, there's, it's not really like a, there's no, there's no process for this. It's, it's yeah. so hard. So I just never really did anything with it. Um, until last year when I couldn't get the idea out of my head anymore. And it was Thanksgiving and I was laying there in my bed, I think at midnight, mm-hmm. making a logo in Canva or something just to get this idea out of my head. And I made a Facebook page and put it out there. And literally the day after I made the Facebook page, I got a message from, um, they were more acquaintances at the time. Our children had gone to daycare together and, uh, he reached out to me and said that he saw Binka Bear and was wondering if we were looking for early investors. And literally the day after. Oh my God. Made, this wasn't meant to be, I don't know what is. Uh, right. And, <laughs> and so it was the next day and, um, it wasn't a tremendous amount of money, but for me, I mean, it was a tremendous amount of money for me, but, um, yeah. And so they, they gave us a small investment and we used that investment to, you know, design the sample, um, illustrate the book, illustrate the bear. Um, and then I hired, um, another woman who's a good friend of mine to co-author the book with me. So she took what I wrote and then just made it even better. And so it's been this huge process for a year, um, the prototype got stuck in customs. The sample, our only sample got stuck in customs. Um, this after our, so I'm like totally going way beyond where I should have with the story, but our prototype got stuck, um, for, um, weeks, almost seven weeks. And we literally this morning, I got an email that we might be able to expedite some things so that we'll be able to get it a month earlier than thought, but it's been just, like I really thought we would have bears uh-huh. like, two months ago. <laughs> it's just that's I guess the whole point of this is that this has been just the craziest, most unexpected, unpredictable, wild ride I've ever been on. And yeah. let's go I back to the so fact grateful. that you, <laughs> you literally were like, okay, I just need to do something. You put up the page and then you had an investor the next day. Like that is next level crazy. And I'm crazy. Yes. And I, I feel like there's something to it when we finally say enough's enough, we're going to do what we want to do. And then magic starts to happen. It's crazy. And it's so true. Right. Like that's magic. Like that's magic. So I think that's awesome. And a great lesson to learn. Like, even if you don't see anything coming of it, um, do it anything, do it anyway, do what's in your heart to do. Like even my podcast go rogue. Um, I was like, well, who's going to watch this? Who's going to listen? Like, I didn't know where it was going to evolve, but, 
Um, I see people saying hashtag go rogue online. I'm like, this is crazy. Like it, yes. it, it feels so good. So it's like, do it makes all of that effort worth it. But in the moment when you're trying to start something, it's scary. It's hard. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. And again, that imposter syndrome kicks in, you know, I'm like, who, who, what qualifies me to do this, to take this much money from these people mm-hmm. and literally just spend their money and hope that we can get it back. And what they tell me constantly is that it's my confidence. They said, I've never, they've told me, they're like, I've never met anybody like you. You, uh, I don't even sell this product. I just, I exude this product, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, I'm so passionate about it that they are, they were just convinced. Like I didn't even have to really pitch them. They saw the idea. They thought it was brilliant. And then they heard me talk about it and it has just been wonderful ever since to work with them. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice that we have a little team of people to bounce ideas off of. Um, but it has been so crazy. And, And I did, it got to a point with it where I just couldn't sit on it. I actually had gone to um, a retreat. I had gone to the Boss Mom Retreat um, in October of 2017. Okay. And I had the most amazing time. I, I had already known a lot of the women who were going. I was connected with them. They were just supporters of Pure Social. I've worked with them, clients, things like that. And um, so it was a wonderful time. But I, I actually ended up one night because I shared a hotel room with a couple of ladies mm-hmm. and we were, we were just laying there one night talking about just these other projects, not, not our businesses, but these other things that we'd started or wanted to do or whatever it was. And, uh, one of the women in that room was actually my co-author mm-hmm. and, um, she is, she's amazing. And so then I ended up talking about Binka Bear and this idea that I had. And they're like, how have you not done anything with like, that's great. That's such a good idea. Yeah. And I, at that point had not done anything. And it was the next month. I just, from that moment could not stop thinking about it. And, you know, I, I knew in my mind that I needed patents. I needed to protect yeah. the idea before I put it out there. But I also knew that I was never going to do that. <laughs> I was never going to figure out how to go get those patents and do all of that stuff before I put it out there. It just, I just knew I wasn't going to do that. So I had to just risk that. I had to just put it out there and hope that nobody stole it and I was going to work on it. And I figured at least making it a thing Mm-hmm. it made me accountable to it. Yes. So I don't recommend doing that <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> if you have a really great idea, um, <laughs> I always, always will recommend now finding a local attorney to speak with because you can file um, what's called a provisional patent instead of mm-hmm. a utility patent. So mm-hmm. what that means is it's, it's not cheap, but it's much cheaper than a utility patent is. And what that basically does is it gives you about a year to develop that idea. And before you have to file for you, your utility patent, but it protects your idea. So it's basically telling the, the government and the, the patent office that, Hey, this is my idea. I have this, this is what it is. Um, 
but you're not quite ready to file that utility patent yet. Mm, so okay. as long as you file um, before that expires, you know, you have, you're covered all the way back until you, from, since when you first filed your um, provisional patent. Okay. So right now we are, we are, we just filed for our utility and everything like that. So we're, we're waiting for all of that to come through for us. So um, it's been, like I said, these are all things that you don't know. Uh (laughs) And my favorite, favorite, favorite quote um, for any entrepreneur that I think, again, is a, is a real light bulb thing. Like when you really let it sink in, it's just, you don't know what you don't know. When I really, when someone said that to me and I really thought about it, it made me feel better (laughs) because you really beat yourself up as a business owner when you don't know the answer to something or you have a hard time with something or Mm -hmm. something's hard. You want to give up. You want to just say, well, I'm just not qualified. I shouldn't be doing this or I can't do this or whatever excuse you have in your head that you're giving yourself. Um, But when you think about it, how could you possibly know the answer to that when you don't even know the question? You know, you don't even know yeah. the questions to ask because you've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, just like every other person before you had also never done that before. Um, yeah, we look at other people and we're like, oh, they have it all together. They yes. always had it all together. And it's like, no, like they were at a point where they're like, it's like, even with me, I announced Go Rogue before I had podcast hosting, before really anything. And I was like, well, I don't even know what to do with this. (laughs) But I announced it was coming out in two weeks. So I think it's just the movement helps you figure out what you don't know and just figure it out along the way. 100%. And not being afraid to make a mistake and learn from it. As long as you own your mistakes, you will find people actually respect you for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when you can try something new, maybe you didn't do well with it. And you can say, man, I should have done this. Or, you know, I really probably could have done this, you know, better, or I should have talked to so-and-so. You own them, you know, and you take responsibility for that. And people really admire when people do that. At least I know I do. When I see people who whatever the situation is, when they own those mistakes and they, you can see that they genuinely own them. And, and what that means to me is that you recognize that it was a mistake. And instead of focusing all of your energy on debating whose fault it was to begin with, or, or, you know, how it started or whatever, who cares? What I want you to put your energy toward is figuring out how to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. That's where the energy is best spent okay, this happened, you know, maybe feelings got hurt or something didn't get done. And it's like, okay, it happened. And obviously you want to know how it happened, but the energy should be focused on how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. And when you can start to shift a little bit like that, you're going to see a lot more progress. Oh, that's, that's really great advice because a lot of us, we just get stuck in like, the blame game sometimes. Yes, too. Yeah, but you want to defend yourself. You want mm-hmm. to. It's, it's our instinct in any situation, whether you're um, beating yourself up or you're having an argument with somebody. And this is in business and in life. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be defensive. That's why it's so hard to discuss politics or anything because yeah. everyone is very, very, very concerned with being right, being not 
Yeah, that's all that matters. In most situations, it's it's about being right and defending yourself. And like you said, the blame game, but your energy, it's such a waste of energy. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, you have only so much time and so much energy. You will never get that back. You are giving that away. You You get to choose every day what you give your time and energy to. And it should never be something that negative because that is not productive. So instead of focusing on who's right and the blame game and all of that, you should really focus on how do we move forward? How do we make sure that your feelings don't get hurt like that? So my Mm -hmm. my favorite thing is like an argument when somebody is upset, instead of focusing, well, I didn't mean to do that and blah, blah, blah. You know, people get very defensive. You should say, you know, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. That was not my intention. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by owning it. Like you're owning that. Yes, you made that person feel that way, but that was not the intention. So instead of focusing on all of the being defensive, now you can focus on, you know, what can I do? How do I, how do I talk to you about this and not make you feel that way? Or how do we go forward with this so that, um, you know, you feel included or whatever it is, you Mm -hmm. focus on the solution. And for me, that has been just so, so huge because other, especially as an anxious person, you're just overly drained anyway, because you just overanalyze everything. So giving myself some of that energy and that time back has been, has been a big gift. That's amazing. Um, so when do you think the Binka beer would be available? Cause I know the listeners are going to be like, I, I need that. Like, <laughs> So yeah, well, I don't even know if I talked about Vinka Bear, like what he does. I just talked about him. Um, even the Passy is in, in him, right? Yes. So he comes with, um, he comes with a book and it's Vinka Bear and the magic of Willow Spring, which is where he lives. Oh. And he's got all of his magical friends and they get their magic that allows them to do all kinds of cool things when a big boy or girl is ready to share their pacifier. So you read the story and it talks about Bear and how he's waiting patiently for his special letter with your child's pacifier. And so at the end, you then um, put the pacifiers into special pouches in his hands that close up permanently. And yes, they close up permanently. And it's just, um, it's kind of like laced like a shoe. So you can knot it up as the parent and ideally a child, a child's not gonna be able to get it out. And then it has fabric that flips over to cover that up so that it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. But we put them in the pause because then that way the child can feel them. They know that they're there, but they can't put them in their mouth. And the incentive is that they're giving Binka Bear these special powers and then they get to keep Think bear who's like the cutest bear ever he is just adorable oh um, and my I'm I'm like patiently waiting because Delilah still has her pacifiers at bedtime and mm-hmm. we <laughs> I wanted to wean a little bit sooner but you know production delays <laughs> and I'm waiting for we're waiting for Binka bear because she's so excited about Binka bear I keep telling her he's coming and she yeah. cannot wait to give him her pacifiers so uh, the plan, um, the, this morning I got an email. So if all goes well, we should be shipping them to people in March. So that's the plan. So exciting. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to get him home because we had um, a successful Kickstarter campaign in August for okay. Bank of Bear. 
So we raised $20,000 in August for our first round of manufacturing. And so we have, you know, a couple hundred people that have like already ordered Binka Bears that are waiting for him. So they'll get first priority. And then we have pre-orders open on our website. So then it'll be prioritized from there. So it's, it's just so exciting. I cannot wait to get this first shipment and to just move on to like the next phase of this. Yeah. And I can't wait. I just can't wait. I'm so excited. Like I said, I got the email this morning about like it being, uh, hopefully being able to be done a little bit sooner. So I'm just, I'm still just so excited. It's been such a long journey. Oh, I'm sure. And like the best part about your story is that it's, it's not a typical one because us as women, it's like, my story isn't typical. Like mm-hmm. I'm not that person. I didn't come from a great family. Like you said, like you didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. You didn't nope. see this growing up and nope. you had trouble in school with anxiety, but you still did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's important to highlight because other women, I want them to see that for themselves, no matter what it is, whether it be anxiety or develop debilitating depression, like you can do something, you can live out loud and truly do the thing that you want to do. So that's what I love the most about your story. I mean, you like when you were a teenager, did you ever think you'd have a utility patent pending Never. in manufacturing Never. things? Never. And like, Never. <laughs> I never, never, never would have thought any of this, honestly, because the people around me were everybody grew up really poor. I mean, like I said, my mom did an amazing job and we were fortunate to, um, you know, move out of, uh, government housing when I was, uh, an early teen or something like that. So, um, we, you know, from there it was a little bit easier and things were a little bit better, but, um, early on, I mean, and even at that point, it's just everybody around us just struggled so hard and everybody, had jobs they hated and and you listen to adults talk to each other as a kid and that's all they talk everyone's conversation is who can complain more about things it's literally that's what people do when you're not of that mindset anymore when you are really just excited about your life it's hard to be in groups sometimes where people are sitting around talking about how much they hate their job or mm-hmm. you know complaining about this and it's like I can't relate to any of that <laughs> I I love my life, but it's like, obviously there's very hard parts. Um, you know, money struggles, there's, there's, there's good months, there's bad months. There's, there's lots of things to overcome, but when you can start to change the way you think of things and start really prioritizing what you give your time and energy to, it's Mm -hmm. like, you will really see a difference. And with think a bear, because that is the coping skills that I've learned throughout my life are really so important to me. Um, Think of Bear's underlying mission is to bring more emotional intelligence into the home and to teach coping skills. So um, in addition to Think of Bear, it's like we have a blog and we will ideally develop more products and things like that that are themed around teaching coping skills and teaching parents how to how to also have coping skills because most adults don't have coping skills. Um, But, but those things are really important and everybody's going to do it just a little bit different. So having, having a situation in an environment where you can allow children to 
um, learn who they are and how they best learn is Mm -hmm. going to be really helpful. Yeah. Oh, I, that's, this has been so much fun because like I watched Shark Tank. So hearing you talk about patents and stuff, I was like, this is so cool. Oh my gosh. I know it's like my favorite show. And I literally, I, I, that's all I can think about. I'm like, I feel like I'm living through Shark Tank. And there's one other show I'm obsessed with called The Prophet. I've been wanting to watch that. His name's Marcus Limonis and he literally is my idol. I love him so much. And I found out the day after that he was in my very small town doing a free talk, literally like last month. I cried. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Facebook, you failed me. How did you tell me this the day after he was here? Yeah. Um, Yes. So those shows have always been just like huge, huge inspirations for me. And I've never would have thought that I'd be like living this myself so we're for sure living it so um before we close here I would love to hear from you what's the number one piece of advice that you would give a woman that might be struggling and wants to start her rogue journey but doesn't know how or where to start what would you tell her I think I would say to work backwards and by that I think um by that I mean you need to start thinking about uh what happiness looks like for you. What does that perfect, perfect day look like? And by that, I don't mean like this fantasy, unrealistic world. I mean, if you could wake up tomorrow and have your day look like anything that you want it to, what would that look like? You know, how would your children be cared for? How would your money be coming into your household? Would you be doing yoga in the middle of the day? Like when, when would you be working? What would your ideal day look like? Because I honestly think most of us don't know. Um, most, most people don't have any clue what that looks like for them. And when you can start to get an idea of what that looks like, you can start to, you learn a lot about yourself and you can then start to work backwards. You can say, okay, in order for this to happen, what has to happen first? How do I get there? And so you can start to break it down into some action steps for you. And you can set little goals and that way you have progress and you don't ever really just feel stuck, but you also have your, your big picture goal, which is, it should be like a realistic thing. You know, if you're, if your perfect day is I want to wake up, I want to get the kids off to school. You know, I want to make them breakfast on my own time, not be rushed through the morning, get them to school, come home. And then I'd like to have, you know, just two hours to work by myself and then go shopping for five hours. If that's what you want to do, (laughs) you can do that. You can, you just have to figure out how you do that, you know, but you need to first know what that looks like, because if you don't know what makes you happy and you don't know how you would live a happy life, Mm -hmm. how can you ever expect to get there? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's great advice because like, honestly, like I'm on my journey, you're on your journey. And one of the things I even recently did is I just wrote a list of things that I I like to do because I kind of lost touch with that after having children and I need to get back to it. So, and when I did that, it felt so good. I was like, oh yeah, I used to read like several books a month and I don't read anymore. I just listen to audio books. I'm like, why did I forget that? So that's really powerful. 
It really is because I, I think you hit it right on the head too. Um, especially when you become a mother, it's just, you are so far removed from the priorities. It's not even funny. And, and for a little while, I understand why that has to happen. You know, it's like there, it's a lot, especially when you're becoming a mother from the first time. And then when you're adding another one to your schedule and, you know, it's a lot, but you have got to remember that you are a person. You are not just a mother. You are not just a breadwinner. You are not just whatever. You are a person. You were a child at one point who dreamed, who did all of the things that your kids are doing. Mm -hmm. And all of that is valid. And you need to remember that, that all of those dreams are not out the window just because now you have people that depend on you. Now you have even more reason to show them how to do it. Like that's literally our point as parents is to teach them and bring them with you. So I love that my girls get to sit here and watch me create an idea in my head and turn it into a product that they can actually hold. I cannot wait until the day I get to walk into the stores with them and show them like, because they've been there. Literally Delilah is on the box, <laughs> you know, and, you know, she's, she's kissing Binka bear in one of the photos on the box. And so it's like, it's just going to be so cool for them to grow up just seeing that there's, there's other ways, not that necessarily this is going to be their journey, but that this is an option. Yes. Yeah. It's a big deal. Oh, that was so amazing. Like, and it's such a great reminder to hear, even me as a person, as a mom, like hearing it over and over again, repetition is what helps you make change. So that is amazing. So I know the listeners are going to get this Binka Bear in their hands. They're going to be like, I need this. So <laughs> can you share with us how everybody can find you? I'm going to put it in the show notes as well. So don't panic people. You don't have to write it down right now, but share with us how they can connect with you and get a Binka Bear. Sure. Um, so like I said, Binka Bear, we are pre-selling them right now. And uh, you can just go to Binka Bear, B-I-N-K-A bear.com slash, I believe it's pre-order. Um, and then that's if you, if you want to grab a bear and get um, on the list for when we have those coming in. And then I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook a lot. Um, so on Instagram, our handle is the Binka Bear. Um, and then on Facebook, we're just slash Binka Bear. Okay. So you can find us any of those places. Awesome. Thank you so much, Caitlin. That was phenomenal. And I honestly feel like we could talk all day. Oh my gosh, forever. I could talk forever <laughs> to you. you. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the Go Rogue yeah, podcast. Thank you so much for telling my story or letting me tell my story. Yes, you are very welcome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that. So thank you so much, um, listeners out there. I know you love that interview. Um, Definitely go check out Caitlin at those links and that will be in the show notes for you to go and seek her out and start, start cyber stalking her because I will as well. And I will see you next time. Go out there, be brave, take action and go rogue. Thank you. <laughs>